Welcome to the podcast of Woburn Baptist Church. We hope that you enjoy listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. So, tonight's message, like I said, as Christians, uh, we like to complain about things, whether they be big or small, we like to complain, and we get in the habit of of this complaining. And because of that, it, it turns our days into we have negative thoughts and we approach our day as everything's just awful and uh, we, ha- we become miserable and depressed because we're complaining all the time. And eventually we start seeing the world as just an awful place. But it has even more dramatic effect than that. The more dramatic effect is that it affects our Christian life. We start complaining about things God calls us to do. We start saying, God is too challenging, God is too hard. God, I don't want to do this. And the more we complain about this, the more we start seeing the things God commands us to do is negative and is bad. And so in turn, we stop doing them. And we stop trying to follow Jesus. We stop doing the challenging things. We stop doing the hard things for Jesus because we're complaining all the time and it affects our thought process. And so tonight we're going to talk about what the Bible says about complaining and how to go about our life without complaining. And so... Our passage tonight is from Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. And it says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God, without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. This is the word of the Lord. If you would, bow with me and pray. Dear Lord, we have a lot of distractions today and a lot of distractions just uh, in life in general. And we ask, Lord, that we don't complain, but we rejoice that we even have life and that you've created us for a purpose, Lord. Uh, we have so many blessings and so many things just to be grateful for. And we ask that we put, focus our minds upon that and focus our minds upon you, Lord. We ask that uh, you inspire uh, me tonight as that my message is yours and not my own, Lord. And that you speak through us in this passage in Philippians. And that we take away from this passage something we can apply to our lives. That we learn what the Bible says and what your word says about complaining. And that we don't just, we're not just hearers of the word, but we're also doers. That we leave this church today and we leave it and we're trying to change our lives. And we're trying to apply this to our lives. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So, in this passage, when it talks about... Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God. It's referring back to 1 Corinthians 10, 1-13. So tonight we're going to open up, I'm going to read that to you and explain why it's relating to that. So it says, For I do not want to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, And all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and ate the same spiritual food, and drank the same spiritual drink. 
For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idlers as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. Nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. The first thing I want you to talk about tonight is that uh, complaining, grumbling, is a temptation. So a lot of us in Christians think that if I complain about something, it doesn't affect my life. There's really no effect to that. Well, the Bible here is saying that complaining is a temptation. And Satan uses that temptation to drive us away from Christ. And so temptation can actually drive you away from your walk with Christ. Because these people, like I said earlier, started complaining about all the tasks God gave them. And that God would say, do this and do this. And sometimes God challenges us. And it says in James, we're going to go through trials of many kinds. Because God wants us to persevere. But these people said it's too challenging, it's too hard for me. They complained about it enough to where they didn't do it anymore. And they stopped following Christ. Complaining leads to serious spiritual consequences. It can really affect our walk with Christ. Um, But just because we're tempted doesn't mean we have to fall into it. We're going to be tempted to complain in life. Um, like, I, like I said today, we had all the distractions up here. You're going, to be t- you're going to be tempted probably every day in your life to complain about something, whether it be small or big. But like I said here, no temptation has overcome you that is common to man. And God will always provide a way out. So God's never going to make you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And so just because you're tempted to complain doesn't mean you have to. And there's a better way out of it. Because when you complain, like I said, it affects your spiritual life and it can pull you away from your walk with Christ as you start to not do the things for Christ. But what I also want to talk about tonight is that it's not just, it doesn't just affect your spiritual life, it also affects your physical well-being. So complaining um, affects your spiritual life, but I'm going to talk about also the physical consequences of complaining. So it says here, Complaining damages other areas of your brain as well. Research from, San- from Stanford University has shown that complaining shrinks an area of the brain that is critical to problem solving and intelligent thought. Damage is scary, especially when we consider that it's one of the primary brain areas destroyed by Alzheimer's. And so it seriously affects your brain. Complaining affects your thought process, but also affects you physically as well. It tears down your physical well-being. Um, another, another reason is it says that when you complain, your body releases a certain stress hormone. And that shifts you into flight or fight mode. Directing oxygen, blood, and energy away from everything but the systems that are essential to the immediate survival. 
One effect, for example, is to raise your blood pressure and blood sugar so that you'll be prepared to either escape or defend yourself. So complaining can, can lead to high blood pressure um, and high sugar levels. And so what it's saying here is that complaining has serious physical and spiritual consequences. So I want you to understand how, how much of an issue complaining is today. So now we're going to talk about why we should not complain, why we complain, and how we not complain in our lives. So number one is we complain because we're selfish. We think that the world is about us. Well, the world is not about us. Um, the world is not about making ourselves comfortable and getting all the best things we can get and having our life just perfect in our eyes. Our life's not about us. That's not our purpose here. Our purpose in life is not to make our, ourselves the most comfortable, have the nicest cars, the nicest houses. Okay? It even says, like I said in James, we're going to go through trials and tribulations. That's part of life. Life's not always going to be perfect. We're not perfect people. Um, so what is our purpose in life? I think to, to know that, we go to Matthew. And it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So our purpose, again, is not to please ourselves and to make our life as most comfortable as it can be. Our purpose, as it says in Matthew, is to make disciples of all nations, to live life with other people, to spread the gospel to other people. And that's not always easy. That can be challenging. That can be tough. But if we do that, um, it says that He is with us always to the end of the age. And our reward is great in heaven. And we can rejoice because we're doing these things for Christ. And we know no matter how tough our situation is, no matter how hard of a thing we have to go through, Christ is being praised. And we can rejoice in that. So we don't have to complain. We can rejoice when we go through trials and tribulations knowing that Christ will be praised in the end. Um, and an example is life's not meant to be spent alone. Even Christ, while He was on earth, had 12 disciples. People that followed Him everywhere. He taught them things. And they communicated back and forth. Um, life's not meant to be spent alone. And that goes back to, we're not supposed to be selfish. Life's not about us. It's about living life together as fellow believers. Challenging each other. It says in the Bible, iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. We're meant to sharpen one another. If you live life alone, reality is you're not going to be successful. We're meant to live life together with fellow believers. That's how we strengthen our faith. And that's how we grow in Christ. And one of the things that we do by this selfish behavior is we say, well, so-and-so has a better car. Or so-and-so has a better house. Or maybe they have a better marriage. Maybe they have so-and-so that's better than me. So we always compare ourselves to others. Well, I want to challenge you today, don't compare yourself to others. But if you do compare yourself to others, who are you comparing your life to? If you always compare your life to somebody that has more than you, then yeah, that's going to lead to you being miserable. But if you compare your life to somebody that's in a third world country, that has no home, they don't know where their next meal is coming from, that they could easily die from disease the next day because they don't have hospitals and medical care like we do, then your life's pretty incredible. 
Your life to them is amazing. And so who you compare your life to uh, matters in your outlook on life. If you compare your life always to somebody that has more than you, you're always going to be miserable. And you're always going to complain. If you compare your life to somebody that has less than you, you're going to have joy and you're going to be grateful for all that you have. So if you compare your life to somebody, don't compare upwards. Be grateful for what you have. And it's a blessing just to be alive. So next is, what is our focus in life? Are we distracted by things that we can't control? Like the weather. Are we distracted by things like um, somebody said something to us that offended us? Or something happened in society and we don't like it? If we're always distracted by our circumstances, then we're going to be miserable and depressed because the world is not a perfect place. Okay, There's sin and, and terrible things happening all around us. And so you can always find something to complain about. Okay, Something's always going to go wrong around you. So if our focus is about the things around us, then we're not going to be grateful. We're going to be complaining all the time. But if we focus on things we can influence, then we will be grateful. If we focus on, okay, yes, the world around us is is bad. We're in a crooked and perverse world, like I said in Philippians. But if we focus on, how can I influence that? How can I make that better? How can I be a light for Christ? Then when people see my life, they see Christ. And they want to live out Christ in their life. If we approach our circumstances, we can't change what's around us. We can change our response to it, though. Just because things around us go bad doesn't mean we have to be miserable. doesn't mean we have to respond badly. We choose how we respond. You can't choose your circumstance, but you can choose your response to them. And if your response is joyful, and your response is, I'm going to do everything I can to still without Christ, knowing that when I do that, even though life may be tough, Christ will be praised then you, your influence will be great. And I'm going to give you a story here in the Bible um, that's in Acts. And it's the story of Paul and Silas. And I think this is a great example of you have a choice on how you're going to respond to your circumstances. So it's in Acts 16, if you want to follow along. And we're going to be in verse 16. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much grain by fortune telling. Gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And they came out of her that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before their rulers. So far in the story, Paul and Silas are out proclaiming the name of Christ. Like they're they're doing their purpose, they're calling Matthew. They're going out and trying to make disciples of all nations. So they're following Christ. And they approach a girl that is possessed. And basically what they do is they they drive the evil spirit out of her. But people are profiting off her evil doings. So the ones that are profiting off her evil doings were mad because Paul and Silas did this. So they seize them. And you're going to see how Paul and Silas respond to them being put in prison. 
And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these, men's are, these men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And they had inflicted many blows upon them. They threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. So this point, just because Paul and Silas were proclaiming the gospel, they drove the spirit out of this girl. They're beaten down with rods. So picture like today, our police force, those rods, some of you see on TV, when they beat people, that is excruciatingly painful. That's bone breaking. So they're, they're getting beaten with rods. And then they're thrown into prison and their feet are shackled up. So this is not a very happy state to be in. But like I said, you can't always control your circumstances. But you control how you respond. And listen to how Paul and Silas respond to their circumstance. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. So the foundations of prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened. And everyone's bonds were unfastened. And the jailer woke and saw the prison doors were open. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice. Do not harm yourself. For we are all here. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. So in this situation, there's an earthquake that happens. And the shackles that Paul and Silas were under break. And the jail doors open up. And all of a sudden, the jailer, he must have been asleep on the job, wakes up. And so he assumes because the jail doors are open, all the prisoners have escaped. And he knows if somebody comes in, his bosses come in and see that he let all the prisoners go, they're going to kill him. Or they're going to harm him really badly. So he takes out his sword to kill himself. Because he doesn't want to go through that. And so Paul cries out, no, stop, don't kill yourself. We're all here. We haven't left. And before this happens, if you realize Paul and Silas their first response to being thrown in jail is they sing hymns to God. And they praise God, saying, God, I'm, still, I'm glad, I rejoice, I'm still alive. It's a blessing to still be here. And although I'm going through this hard time, I know your name's still going to be praised. And, and the jailer sees how Paul and Saul responded to this circumstance. And what does he do? He falls down on his knees, trembling, and says, what can I do to be saved? And, and Paul and Silas tell him, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your household. And this is how the man responds. And they spoke the word to the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And they took them, oh, I'm sorry. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and his all family, and his, all of his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them and rejoiced alongside his entire household that he had believed in God. Him and his entire household were saved. Why were they saved? 
because of Paul and Silas' response to their circumstance. Instead of complaining and saying that this is awful, God, why am I going through this? Why am I being put through this? If they would have done that and complained, when the jail cells broke open, probably like a lot of us in this room, we would have escaped. And we would have left. But God had a purpose for them. He had a purpose for putting them in that situation. And because they responded with joys, with joy and rejoiced and sang hymns to God and praised Him, the jailer and his entire household came to know the Lord and were saved. And they rejoiced that night with Paul and Silas. So in our life today, going back to Philippians, when we grumble and complain, it leads to uh, depression and misery. And we can see our life as, why are we going through all this? When we approach our life with a focus of, when I'm going through this, I have a kingdom-minded approach to this, knowing that what I do can affect the kingdom of God. What I do, my response to my circumstance could affect why somebody accepts Christ as their Savior. If you have that approach to life, amazing things will happen and you will see the glory of God in so many areas of your life that maybe you haven't seen recently. And so, another thing is, be excited that you have the opportunity to do challenging things for Christ. You can see um, when God gives you a challenge, is that being a negative thing? Or you can, or you can think, be thankful and be gracious that God is using you. God is using you to do incredible things. Some people with disabilities can't do certain things others can. So if you don't have that disability and, you're, and you have the opportunity to do more things for Christ or do other things for Christ, some people can't. Rejoice in that. Be grateful that God has given you the opportunity. Be, great, be grateful that God has given you the opportunity to minister to people in different ways that He's given you in your life. And know that better is to come. No matter what we go through on this earth, as Christians, our reward's in heaven. And no matter how bad this world gets, how bad our circumstance gets, heaven's waiting for us. We spend an eternity with Christ as believers. It says, Paul says in the Bible, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Meaning that as I'm on earth, I'm going to live out Christ and rejoice in that. But I also know when I die, I, I get far more than this world can ever give me. Because I spend an eternity with Christ and the glory forever with Him. Uh, and the next, the last thing is, if you are living for Christ, you can rejoice always. It says in verse 17 in Philippians in our passage today, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Basically, Paul is saying there that if you're poured out as a drink offering, or if you're poured out as a sacrifice for Christ, I'm still going to rejoice. If I die for Christ, I'm still going to rejoice. If I go through this for Christ, if I go through a hard time for Christ, I'm going to rejoice because I know that Christ is being praised. And I know, like, like I said, that my reward is in heaven. So no matter what I do here, if I live out Christ, my reward is great in the future. Um, and what I want to leave you with today is I told you about the effects that complaining has on your physical and spiritual well-being at the beginning of this sermon. What I want to leave you with is the physical effects of being grateful. And I want to show you how, it, how being grateful physically affects you and how it can change your health. And not just spiritually, but also physically. 
It says grateful people experience fewer aches and pains, and they report feeling healthier than other people. According to a 2012 study published in Personality and Individual Differences, not surprisingly, grateful people are also more likely to take care of their health. They exercise more often, and they are often more likely to attend regular checkups with their doctors, which is likely to contribute to further longevity. Also, gratitude reduces a multitude of toxic emotions, ranging from envy and resentment, re resentment to frustration and regret. A famous doctor says, a leading gratitude researcher is what he is, has conducted multiple studies on the link between gratitude and well-being. His research confirms that gratitude effectively increases happiness and reduces depression. So in life today, if you're somebody that always complains, whether it be something small or large, I challenge you today to be grateful of what Christ has given you. Don't be affected by your circumstances, but respond to those as Christ would command you to respond to it. And your life spiritually will be better. Your walk with Christ will be better, but also your physical health will increase as well. You're going to be physically and spiritually in more well-being if you're more grateful in life and not complaining. Thank you for listening to this message from Woburn Baptist Church. For more information, please visit us at www.wilburnbaptistchurch.org or you can also like us on Facebook.